Hey everybody. So today I wanted to quickly talk about gold and precious metals. Now that interest rates have skyrocketed, we're um, staring recession right in the face. Uh, inflation is out of control. We've got yet another war added to our list of global calamities and on and on and on. We're seeing and hearing more advertisements for gold. They're calling it a hedge against inflation, as they always have. They're calling it hard money, et cetera, et cetera. And the people who sell gold would have you believe that you should put 5 to 10% of your net worth into it. Opinions vary, but at the very least, it's worth talking about gold. Oh, and the whole idea that buying gold and silver uh, basically to offer yourself a means of barter in case of a zombie apocalypse or an EMP attack or whatnot, well, you, you probably know this, but if you're out there cold and alone on unlit streets, you know, looking for someone to sell you some sea rations and bottled water because you weren't smart enough to have a couple months worth of food and water on hand in case of emergency chances are pretty good that that person is not going to want your gold coins. What's he going to want? Yep, whiskey and toilet paper. So if you're going to be buying gold as part of your emergency preparedness regimen, I'd say think again on that. Uh, but as for gold as an inflation hedge, more on that in a few minutes. So for me, when I first started getting myself prepared for an emergency, which uh, for me here where I am, I'm in earthquake country um, and we're still waiting on the big one. But anyway, when, when I started doing my prep, I went nuts on ammunition, uh, canned food, water filtration, and propane. I have an insane stockpile of nine millimeter rounds and 12 gauge shells. I mean, a stupid amount. Um all neatly packed in ammo boxes so they're staying nice and fresh and dry but uh when i die and they have my estate sale some redneck is going to be very very happy anyway i digress so now real quick before we uh, get into my current opinions on gold and silver I want to share Simon Black's latest newsletter. Now, for those of you who are not familiar with Simon Black, I highly recommend subscribing to this email. Uh, the newsletter is called The Sovereign Man, and Simon is a badass. He's a thinker. He's an intellectual. He uh, he's, he's just a cool dude. And, and by subscribing, you're going to get serious information on you know personal sovereignty, but you're also going to get extremely well-written history lessons, um, economic information, and his specialty is how to get citizenship or resident visas or golden passports to foreign countries, which very well may turn out to be the path that you need to take as civilization circles the bowl here in the United States. Anyway, long story short, Simon Black is someone you should follow. Uh, I'll put a, I'll try to remember to put a link in the show notes, but here's his newsletter that came in yesterday morning. I'm going to just read it to you top to bottom. November 1st, 2023. Public Law 93-373 was supposed to be so boring that Congress didn't even bother to give it a name. You know how most laws passed by Congress have some fancy name, like the, quote, Inflation Reduction Act or the USA Patriot Act or some such nonsense? Well, on November 7th, 1973... U.S. Senator James Fulbright introduced a very short bill. It was only one page that didn't even have a name. 
But Fulbright's unnamed bill ended up being one of the most important pieces of legislation in U.S. history. By the time Fulbright introduced his bill, it had been two years since the legendary Nixon shock of 1971. That was when U.S. President Richard Nixon implemented wage and price controls and canceled the U.S. dollar's convertibility into gold. Nixon famously promised the American public that there wouldn't be any negative consequences from his actions. Yet inflation hit 3% the following year in 1972, then 4.7% in 1973, then 11.2% in 1974. Simultaneously, gold prices around the world were surging from $35 an ounce before the Nixon shock to more than $170 in 1974. But individual Americans weren't allowed to benefit from those gains thanks to a 40-year-old executive order that had been signed in 1933 by then-President Franklin Roosevelt. Roosevelt's Executive Order 6102 criminalized the private ownership of more than $100 worth of gold in the United States. Roosevelt also gave Americans just 25 days to turn over their gold to the Federal Reserve or face up to 10 years in prison. Naturally, plenty of Americans were outraged and a number of lawsuits were filed claiming Roosevelt's order was unconstitutional. Roosevelt was rightfully worried that the Supreme Court would overturn his order, and at a certain point, he considered packing the court, i.e. appointing several sympathetic judges to the Supreme Court to ensure his victory. He also considered issuing another order which would make it illegal to sue the federal government. Fortunately for Roosevelt, however, he didn't have to implement any of those actions. The Supreme Court very narrowly ruled in his favor, and his executive order stood as law of the land for four decades, until Senator Fulbright's no-name law was finally passed on August 14, 1974. It went into effect the following year, and Americans were suddenly free once again to exchange their rapidly depreciating U.S. dollars for gold. Unsurprisingly, gold prices started rising dramatically in the second half of the decade, from about $180 an ounce in 1975 to a whopping $850 in January of 1980. And the declining dollar was just one reason for gold's popularity. Remember, the United States suffered a deluge of troubles during the 1970s and early 80s. The world found out that the U.S. president was a criminal, during the Watergate scandal of 1974, then there was the humiliating U.S. withdrawal from Vietnam in 1975, complete with a helicopter evacuation of the uh, American embassy in Saigon. Iran seized 52 U.S. citizens in 1979 and held them hostage for more than a year. Inflation raged, peaking at 13.6%. The economy stagnated and fell into recession. Troubles in the Middle East, including conflict with Israel, led to energy shortages and rising fuel prices. Civil unrest and mostly peaceful protests were a constant problem in the 70s and 80s. Meanwhile, criminals rampaged across American cities and the murder rate soared. Major cities like New York, L.A., and Chicago became synonymous with violent crime. The world stopped making sense, and gold became a safe haven from that chaos. There's an old saying, originally a Dutch proverb, suggesting that if history doesn't repeat, it certainly rhymes. And I think it's obvious 
that we're facing many of the same challenges today. There are major problems in the Middle East. Energy is becoming scarce, especially in Europe. The U.S. military suffered a humiliating withdrawal from Afghanistan. Civil unrest and crime rates are totally unacceptable. Inflation continues to rage. And the president, a.k.a. the big guy, appears suspicious as fuck. Just like in the 1970s, gold represents a safe haven from this chaos. And even though it's hovering at a near record around 2000, I think that there is still a long way for gold to rise. The U.S. national debt is now $33.7 trillion. That's up more than half a trillion just in the month of October. The people in charge have absolutely zero fiscal restraint, zero responsibility, zero sense of how destructive their actions are. They spend money and go deeper into debt as if there will never be any consequences ever until the end of time. They're disgustingly ignorant and dangerous. The truth is that there are serious consequences to all of this debt, and we don't have to guess what they are. The Congressional Budget Office is already projecting that by 2031, the U.S. government will spend 100% of its tax revenue just on mandatory entitlements like Social Security and interest on the debt. This means that after 2031, the funding for literally everything else in the government, from the U.S. military to the light bill at the White House, will have to be funded by more debt. That's only seven years away. Then, two years later in 2033, Social Security's primary trust fund will run out of money. This will cost the government an additional $1 trillion in additional spending each year to keep the program running. Naturally, they'll have to borrow that money too. Eventually, the national debt will become so large that simply paying the interest each year will consume more than 100% of tax revenue. The Federal Reserve will most likely attempt to bail out the government by creating trillions upon trillions of dollars. But just as we saw over the past few years, such actions will most likely result in much higher inflation. Disgusted with their financial circumstance, voters across America will likely turn to socialist politicians who blame all the problems on the evils of capitalism rather than their own incompetence. And with a majority of leftists running the country, they'll only make things worse. I also anticipate more conflict in the world, thanks in large part to the continued decline of America's stature and reputation for strength. It's also quite likely that the U.S. dollar could lose its royal status as the world's dominant reserve currency by the end of the decade. I don't necessarily believe that the dollar will simply vanish from global trade, but it won't be king dollar anymore. Perhaps more like earl or viscount dollar alongside other currencies and exchange mechanisms including gold. In fact, we could easily see central banks around the world ditching their U.S. dollars and loading up on gold as part of a new de-dollarized global financial system. This could potentially trigger trillions of dollars worth of capital inflows into the gold market, causing a surge in gold prices. And these are just some of the reasons why gold could still have a long, long way to rise from here. Bear in mind that I'm not thinking about the gold price next month or even next year. I think long-term, and my views on gold are based on trends that will likely continue to unfold over the next decade. I'm not a gold bug. I don't have a fanatical view about anything other than my own children. I'm not a gold speculator either, but it's obvious to me that in an upside-down world where there are such obvious long-term threats to the U.S. dollar, it makes sense to look for real stores of value. And that's why $2,000 gold 
could be just the beginning of a much bigger story. To your freedom, Simon Black, founder, Sovereign Man. Okay, pretty interesting stuff, right? Well, put that in your pipe and smoke it. Let's talk about gold and whether it's a sound investment. Okay, I totally understand that he thinks it may have a ways to run, but when people are talking about gold, they get crazy about 10% jumps either way. I mean, really, if gold jumps to 2200, which it's never seen, that's a 10% jump. Okay, that's not really too exciting. Anyway, so is gold a sound investment? Well, for me, back in the summer of 2017, when gold was in the 1200s, I started getting interested in gold and other precious metals. Um, now, you might recall things were starting to get a little bit scary in 2017, but they hadn't gone batshit crazy yet. At the time, my investment thesis personally was still very simple. I'll share with you, whenever I would hear about a national retail store closing or closing a location, I'd just go and buy Amazon stock. There was zero brain power behind the strategy, but in my mind, well, it made sense that if, you know, if Sears, uh, Kmart, JCPenney, and other mega retailers were shuttering, people were going to have to find new places to buy stuff or just buy more often from Amazon. That strategy worked out very well for me for a couple of years. Then I jumped off that train in maybe, well, I don't know, 2018 or 2019, started buying real estate with the profits that I made off those Amazon buys. But anyway, that was kind of where my head was at in 2017. But at the same time, I bought my first subscription to Brian Lundeen's gold newsletter. And I listened to the gold newsletter podcast religiously. And I started buying 10 ounce silver bars and junior mining stocks that were recommended by the gold newsletter. Oh, and I've mentioned this before, but I carry an American gold Buffalo coin with me as kind of a good luck charm. Uh, I got the idea from Robert Kiyosaki. I can't remember what the context exactly was, but in his book, Fake, he mentioned something about owning and holding gold and how having gold attracts more gold or some other woo-woo shit like that. But anyway, um, that particular coin is one ounce of 0.9999. That's four nines, pure gold. That's seriously pure and it's super cool looking. Uh, so you might be wondering, did it work? Does carrying an ounce of gold with you wherever you go bring you good luck or attract more gold into your world? Well, for me, it didn't at first. I bought it uh, right before COVID, um, and my business basically died during COVID. In fact, um, get this, in 2021, and this shows on my Social Security earnings report, so it's going to stay there forever as a reminder of what a shitty year it was, but I had a Schedule C income of $0 in the tax year of 2021. That's bad. Um, but on the bright side, it was a brilliant time to do Roth conversions, so it actually worked out really well. But still, zero. So no, holding an ounce of gold in my pocket didn't help me during COVID. Now that COVID is over, though, I've had two of the best income years of my life, like almost double the best year previously. Um, do I credit the gold buffalo in my pocket? <laughs> Which sounds funny. Um, partially, yeah. I, I've had some weirdly lucrative jobs and some some of them coming in from brand new clients I just just fall into my lap out of nowhere. So yeah, I'm going to keep carrying this coin, um, and this is not financial advice, but if you were to ask me, I'd say you should too. Plus, it's, I, I don't know, 
it feels good. Holding an ounce of gold in your hand just feels good. Um, anyway, let's move along. So back in 2019, when I bought this coin, uh, the spot price was about, I think it was about 13, it was in the 1300s and I paid exactly 1469 bucks at my local, uh, my local, uh, coin shop for it. So there was about a hundred, 150 bucks or so premium for an uncirculated one ounce coin. Oh, and if you want a full rundown on premiums for precious metals and how to get the best deals, check out episode 60 of this podcast and you'll know more than you ever thought you'd want to know about buying gold and how to do it on the cheap. Also, just for reference, as I record this, the spot price of gold is sitting at around $1,978. So what's an American gold buffalo going to cost you today? Well, get this. I did a quick search and found one at a very reasonable $2,080 at my local gold shop, which by the way is uh, Center Street Gold and Silver in Tigard, Oregon, which I highly recommend. But I found another gold buffalo online for sale for $2,800. You heard right. That's a $700 difference. So if you do want to buy gold, please shop around because there's no shortage of predatory sellers out there that are wanting to take advantage of, you know, this, this, again, this need to, to hedge, if you will. But Matt, get to the point. So is gold really a hedge against inflation? Well, if I wanted to sell my gold buffalo today, I might get around maybe 1980 bucks for it. Remember, I bought it a bit over four years ago for 1469 uh, So that, uh, yeah, so that's up 35% approximately total. Not bad, but divided by four years, that's not so great. My real estate investments have all done way better than that, even though that's really apples and oranges, but you get my point. But say if you put that same money into the S&P, you'd be up like 75% in the same time frame. And of course, if you bought Bitcoin, well, you'd be up 250%. Now, if you adjust for inflation, prices of everything are well up 30% since the summer of 2019. So the answer to the question, is gold a good hedge against inflation, at least in the time frame I'm looking at, is no. My coin has actually lost value in those last four years. So basically, it's a pretty lousy store of value, and it's probably not going to protect you from inflation. Especially if you end up buying something like that gold buffalo at the crazy price of $2,800. But just to be fair, let's look at a longer time frame. Okay, so let's say for the sake of this illustration, and we're going to pretend that you can buy gold at spot and sell it at spot just to make the calculations easier. Um, but keep in mind that if you're going to buy physical gold, you're going to pay a 10 to 20% premium on the buy side and the sell side. So... 10 years ago, in October of 2013, gold was selling for about 1300 an ounce. Again, today it's hovering around 2000 That's a measly 54% increase approximately in 10 years. Again, not taking the premiums into account. If you bought an S&P index fund over that same 10-year period, you'd be up by about 190%. That's right. Big difference. And... If you want to get a little seasick, if you bought Bitcoin, you'd be up, uh, well, put it this way. A full Bitcoin back then was 200 bucks. So do the math from $200 to 35,000. 
Uh, if 10 years ago you bought $1,300 worth of Bitcoin instead of an ounce of gold, you'd be sitting on well over $200,000. So this begs the question, why are people so into gold? To me, well, it's like the pathetic gambler chasing losses. One good hand and I can make it all back. I just need my luck to turn. I mentioned before that I used to subscribe to Brian Lundin's uh, gold newsletter, but after taking some of their recommendations, A, for junior mining stocks, the original shit coins, and writing them to zero, coupled with the fact that gold bugs, uh, they're just kind of losers, I no longer subscribe to that newsletter, and I haven't bought any gold or silver since 2021. Um, full disclosure, a few of the mining stock recommendations I did get from the gold newsletter worked out really well, but overall, I think I'm pretty much upside down. And I mean it when I say junior mining stocks are bad news, but I still get the free version of the newsletter. FYI, there's a free version and a paid version of the gold newsletter. Um, so I get that free version just to keep me kind of current on the state of gold buggery. And I want to share a couple recent excerpts um, from that newsletter. Um, now, remember, gold has sucked as an investment for well over a decade. So the sentiments are extra pathetic. Um, here's a couple lines from the September 11th free newsletter. Headline, gold continues to amaze. Gold and silver are moving higher today and no one should be surprised. In our September issue of Gold Newsletter, I note how impressively gold has performed over the last six weeks or so in the face of soaring treasury yields and the dollar index. Many analysts and pundits had predicted that the yellow metal would trade into the low 1800s as these headwinds buffeted the metal. But gold refused to yield. Although it dipped below the key $1,900 level, the metal quickly rebounded into the 1900s and actually gained ground. The, again, this is like a, gam a pathetic gambler. Um, and here's a, a bit from the October 11th issue a month later. Go headline, gold continues to soar. This time is really different. Early last year, as the Fed was readying for the initial rate hike and its campaign to stymie growing inflation pressures, gold started to rally. This was surprising to many, but not to the readers of the Gold Newsletter. In that publication, I detailed how gold often, in fact usually, rises during Fed rate hikes. That seems counterintuitive, but the record is clear on this. So this is hilarious. Then, in the newsletter, they show a chart showing the first half of 2022, where gold starts in January at around 1800, spikes up after the Ukraine invasion, sustains above 1900 for about a month, and peaks at maybe 2040, then settles back down to 1800 at the end of May. To make money on a piece of shit like that, you'd have to be day trading like your life depended on it, and chances are you would still lose money. Anyway, I share this stuff with you just so you can see how if you get your emotions wrapped up in an asset or an asset class, little moves and even corrections can be turned into some kind of weird positive outcome. And again, you're like the gambler who keeps losing on that video poker machine, then keeps going to the ATM to get more money to chase his losses. So... My point in all of this is don't be like these losers. If you want to keep some gold in your pocket, I say go for it. 
if you want to put a bit of your retirement funds into precious metals because you buy the inflation hedge narrative, just keep it to a minimum because the track record, unless you bought back in the 70s, the track record is not good. So there you have it. I would like to leave you with a short message recorded on CNBC this morning, November 2nd, from Michael Saylor, the CEO of MicroStrategy. Talk to you next time. Michael, it's, it's always good to have you. So you don't think you have enough exposure? You have, what, 158,000 Bitcoin holdings in MicroStrategy? You want more? You can never have too much Bitcoin. We're, uh, we're big Bitcoin bulls. Uh, our thesis is that uh, Bitcoin is digital property, but without the risks and uh, liabilities of, of commercial real estate, it's a digital commodity without the risks and the liabilities of gold. It's a digital tech investment without the risks and the liabilities of big tech. And so we're bullish. Nothing in this podcast is meant to be financial, legal, or tax advice. Though there's some kick-ass information here, it's for informational purposes only. Take control of your retirement planning, but get professional counsel if you need tax, legal, or financial advice. For more content like this, join my mailing list at rogueretirementlounge.com. And if you have questions about retirement investing, entrepreneurship, business, or anything else, my email address is matt at rogueretirementlounge.com.